What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Creed 3. The higher you get, the harder it gets. That's life. Because this is a war. It's a fight, it's a battle. So... How long have you known each other? We was like brothers. One day you came back. The past came back too. There may have been a time when Damien had your back. No friends in the industry. But that's not what he's doing now. My brother's been my brother's mate. They no kidding me up back. Before I got locked up. I was the best. You a coward, bro. And a fraud. I spent half your life in a cell. Watching somebody else live your life. I had to draw the line. I'm just getting started, little brother. And I had to draw the line between my brothers and my enemies. I'm coming for it all. It's not going to stop. Then you make him. The one and only Adonis Creed, you're the best pound for pound fighter in the world. Three years ago. It's been a minute since you've been out in these streets. When I walked away from boxing, I walked away with some unfinished business. You see that man right there? Do you remember him? Hey, hey. No friends in the industry. I had to draw the line between my brothers and my enemies. A fact. Let us start if you don't want to keep it wrapped. Yeah, you hit us up and now we owe you something back. Let him destroy everything you've built. Everything we've built. You out there boxing. I need you to start fighting. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Creed 3, and the story is as follows. Still dominating the boxing world, Adonis Creed is thriving in his career and family life. When Damien, a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, resurfaces after serving time in prison, he's eager to prove that he deserves his shot in the ring. The face-off between former friends is more than just a fight. To settle the score, Adonis must put his future on the line to battle Damien, a fighter who has nothing to lose. The film is starring Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Florian Montuno, and Felicia Rashad. It is directed by Michael B. Jordan. 
and it is written by Keenan Kugler and Zach Balin. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Also joining us here as a guest from Cinemania World, welcome back to the podcast, Dwayne Miller. What's going on, Matt? I am very excited to be here. Thank you. Very, very excited to have you. Thank you so much. And then also, too, returning to the podcast from Minorities Report Film, we have Colby Mack. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I'm finally back on MVP. Yeah. I love the energy. I love it. It's fantastic. Let's see if you can keep that energy in the ring as we spar over Creed 3, the third entry in the Creed franchise, and God knows which entry in the Rocky franchise, although this is the first film to not include Rocky Balboa, first time ever here. So very, very interesting. We have Michael B. Jordan reprising his role as Adonis Creed, first time stepping behind the camera as director here. So there's a lot of very interesting things at play. No Rocky, Michael B. Jordan as the director, Jonathan Majors, who is red hot at the moment, on this amazing streak of films, he's definitely one of the most sought-after actors right now to work with in Hollywood, playing the antagonist here as Damien Diamond Dame Anderson. And so, what do we think about the continuation of the story of Adonis Creed? What do we think about the absence of Sylvester Stallone from this film? And ultimately, what do we think of Michael B. Jordan's work behind the camera? There's a lot to discuss here. I'm very excited to get into it. Why don't we start off first with one of our guests here, Dwayne Miller. Dwayne, what did you think, general thoughts of Creed III? Uh, yeah, I walked out of the film on Thursday night. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I really loved the performances, and I really enjoyed the direction of Michael B. Jordan. The way he directs the movie, especially the fights, is a little jarring at first, but once you get used to it, um, it kind of works for what the style of film that he's going for. And uh, yeah, I really, I really, really liked it. I loved Jonathan Majors here. I feel like that's been our broken record since Quantumania and Devotion. But I really thought, I thought he was the biggest standout of the movie alongside Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson and a Felicia Rashad, which I'm excited to get into that conversation. But yeah, I thought it was really good. And I really, I really, really had a good time. Amazing. Awesome. Kicking it over next to Kobe. Kobe, what did you think of Creed 3? Or as some SEO providers might say, Creed III. <laughs> you know, I think Creed 3, um, it's a film that when I heard that it was coming out, and I, th I think a lot of people still don't remember that Ryan Coogler didn't direct the second one. And not that the second one wasn't like, like it, it definitely wasn't bad. It just wasn't as good as the first. And I still really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but like Creed 3 was a big surprise for me. And I think it had, I think it captured this unique lightning in a bottle because there's no way that when they made the casting to play opposite Michael B. Jordan, uh, Jonathan Major star wasn't as bright. And I think that's what's now propelled the film to such great heights. And looking at the box office numbers so far, it's going to do 50 to $55 million. It just got an A minus cinema score. And it all makes sense because uniquely this film is embraced by every quadrant on the cinema going spectrum. And I truly believe that Creed 3 submits itself a part of a franchise that is the greatest sports franchise and trilogy, particularly in cinematic history. Everything is earned. Every punch is felt, especially if you've watched it in IMAX and Dolby. I mean, shoot, it was shot 
on IMAX cameras. I felt it all. I felt every emotion from the tears that were given, from the angst in the eyes. This is Michael B. Jordan's not only directorial debut, but his best performance, in my opinion, on screen. I love that this story was like really the truest way to be able to pass the baton. Like you said, this is the first Creed film or I guess Rocky, you know, uh, Jason film with no Rocky in it. And it doesn't detract from the story without it. Maybe inside baseball, we're like, huh, that feels a little weird. But it's insane how much this film stands on its own. And I think that's the strength of the storytelling. And we have characters that we're deeply invested in. We have Tessa Thompson's Bianca that just continues to just wow on screen and she has full agency of her own. And then we have an antagonist, which principally with the Rocky films, the antagonist isn't always Clover Lane or, you know, isn't always Drago. It's typically the fighter himself battling against the things that he's trying to come up against internally. And we get the best of both worlds where we have this internal struggle that Michael B. Jordan's Creed is tackling post his boxing career. And then also externally with the sins of his past and the guilt that he so carries from it manifested inside Damien and Jonathan Majors. I like it's crazy. I think it's now understated to continue to call him a beast. He's something else. He's one of the best physical actors I've ever seen in my entire life. His emotionality, his theatricality. He knows how to live inside of beats and moments. And I can't get enough of it. And then the fact that he's got three films coming out this year, you're just like, which one, which one does the Academy choose? I don't know. I'm going to be brave and say he's going to be the first since maybe Jamie Foxx to be able to get a Best Supporting nom and a Best Actor nom um, for lead at the Oscars next year. This movie truly is the heavyweight champion of 2023 so far, at least when it comes to like action sports films. <laughs> All right. I, I I don't know about that best supporting actor talk, but we do have an Oscar predictions uh, part portion of the review to come here. So we can dive into that if you want a little later. Josh Parham, though, what did you think of Creed three? Man, I got to follow that. <laughs> um, I like Creed three overall. I, I would say that I'm not like the biggest Rocky fan, to be honest, but I've enjoyed them for the most part, and I think this movie is good. I enjoyed it. Um, I also found, though, for me, the story was not not very engaging to me. I, to be honest, I found it a little stupid in some places, and that did kind of detract from me. But the set pieces are really good. I think the performances are really great, especially from Jordan and Majors. And I did enjoy it overall. But I will be honest that I found that the storytelling was a little lacking and that kept me at a bit of a distance. But overall, I still would say it's a good movie, very enjoyable, very entertaining and very easy to recommend. So good, if not completely perfect, in my opinion. And I am going to be leaning a little bit more towards Josh's side. I, I've enjoyed the Creed films pretty much uh, like Kobe was saying before. I think that Creed 2 is not as good as the first film. I still think that that is the best one overall. But each subsequent film, while they all maintain a level of quality to them, I will say neither uh, one of these three Creed films have been bad in my opinion. Uh, this one's definitely my least favorite. And... A lot of that does lay at the feet of Michael B. Jordan as a director. However, I also have to give a lot of credit to Michael B. Jordan as a director here because there are some things in this movie that I can quite honestly tell you all I have never seen before. Mainly these boxing scenes that were shot using IMAX cameras. 
and we'll get into that in a little bit more here. But I do agree with Josh that the pacing and the way that the story was written, there were maybe one too many cliches, one too many things that I feel like I've seen in other sports films before. Uh, It is elevated by the performances from Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, and Jonathan Majors, who I think are all doing fantastic work. But ultimately, for me, I've seen some people like really praising this movie, saying it's a knockout and all of these different terms. But I really just thought it was good, not great. There are some great elements to it, though. I will give it that. Yeah, I mean, the the craft, I think, overall is still pretty good. And there are, yeah, some sequences where I was very impressed from a directorial standpoint. I think that there are some really creative shots and, and sequences that are put together in this film. But I, I found the script to be very, very, like, simplified to the point where stuff didn't really make a whole lot of sense in the way that it would naturally progress, in my opinion. And that always kind of pulled me back out of being immersed in this world. So even though there's good elements to it, I did find the narrative to be a little lacking in in that regard for me. For example, we got this upstart, complete unknown, Damian Dame Anderson, who was once a Golden Globes champion back in 2002. The Gloves? What did I say? Golden Globes? You said Golden Globes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We talked about it on air and it came Listen, out. Listen, it's the awards guy in me. Golden Globe winner, Golden Glove winner. Listen, Jonathan Majors, he could just get all the awards, right? Yeah. I mean, the Oscars aren't done yet. We're still sort of in the mindset. <laughs> okay, but Golden Globes, gloves, sorry. <laughs> He's had he's had his time um, due to uh, just unfortunate events. He's been in prison all this time. And I, I do agree with you, Josh. There were moments in the screenplay where I was questioning the believability behind. I know there's a precedent set uh, in regards to Adonis Creed receiving his a billion and one shot at the world heavyweight title. And Damien thinks that he can get the same opportunity here as kind of like this Rocky Creed wannabe who's rising up from, you know, the streets to from nothing to all of a sudden the grand stage. But the way that that all kind of transpires throughout the film, especially in the world of the boxing commission and the way that these fights are set up and such, I was like, you know, I would have believed this a lot more if these two were just fighting like in an alley instead of in a heavily advertised pay-per-view battle. (laughs) It's like a little far-fetched to me. <laughs> well, I guess if you play by the rules of what the franchise have been, like that is some of the story beats from the original Rocky, right, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it does pay homage to that. So Sylvester Stallone, if you're out there listening, which I'm pretty sure you are, and you're still feeling a little salty about me not being a part of this, they really <laughs> did pay homage to what brought the film from where it began. Um, but yes, I, I, there probably could have been an additional five to seven minutes of another montage of Michael B. Jordan in this second, you know, in his in his next chapter of his life as a promoter, like they said, Don King minus the hair, right? Where it's like, yo, I really need to sit here and figure out a way to be able to keep my prize fighter happy so he doesn't leave someplace else because his opponent was compromised mysteriously. Um, but I think that just added so much flavor to Damien's character, how cunning he was that he's paid meticulous attention to how Adonis Creed has moved, what makes him tick, his story and realize that if he wants any shot 
at being able to take back the life that he believes was stolen from him, right? This is how he had to do it. Um, yes, it is very much simple meat and potatoes, but I thought it was really flavorful meat and potatoes. I mean, the flavor comes from the performances, right? And the characters. You're invested in these characters due to the performances. But like when Donnie goes on first take and Dame calls into the show, I'm like, what are we doing here, people? This is so ridiculous. They would have cut that off and they would have cut to commercial break or something. (laughs) You know? They would have, as someone who regularly watches first take, first it was great seeing Stephen A. Smith on a big screen in IMAX. That was awesome. But I mean, I it's that's something like that has like happened before, but it was definitely like more so planned where they're like, oh, we're going to have your opponent or something like or like, you know, an opposing opposition uh, on the other side of the call. And you guys are kind of going to have a two way conversation. So that was a little bit jarring. But I will say that I do think. Although I love the movie, I do think that what hurts it, you know, after hearing you guys speak a little bit, there's definitely I think it could have it could have used a little bit more runtime. I think this is the shortest of the Creed movies. I think uh, Creed one was 210 and uh, Creed two was two around like 213. And this was just under two hours. So I definitely agree with Colby as far as just enough, maybe like another 10 minutes to kind of really flesh out. You know, Donnie's Donnie as a promoter or, you know, flesh out Jonathan Majors's character, too, because there's something here with like the championship and regarding uh, Damien here. And that I feel like that happens very quickly. And I think a little bit more time to flesh that out and get a couple of more fights in or just kind of scenes in of story i think would have helped or even an extra montage or something because sure yeah yeah, we got to the final fight the battle of los angeles at dodger stadium as they call it oh come on i was feeling to myself (laughs) like we're here already i don't know if there's been enough build up to this um i I have one more criticism to throw out at at this movie then we can get the positive things Mm mm-hmm Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I mentioned Michael B. Jordan's direction earlier, and I know that people are singing its praises left and right, and I understand why, because believe me, I've got some praises to throw out myself for it, so I'll get to that. But the one thing that really bothered me here was I was just, I I really wish that they had found a more creative way to weave in these flashbacks into the story. I just thought it was so director yeah. 101 rudimentary in the way that it just to- unfolded. And then it's just so evident that we're in a flashback and the slow motion. And I, I was like, you, you don't need to lay it on so thick and heavy here, uh, Michael. I, I completely feel you. The flashback insertions were not like executed like the greatest with other imaginative ways that they weaved in, um, you know, like the anime style with regards to the fighting. I thought that those flashbacks would have taken like a very similar turn. It is pretty much paint by numbers. Hey, let's go back to where we need to go in order to progress the story forward by giving information with regards to how we came. Um, I will say um, if I have a lament. Um, as someone who has, you know, grown up in areas that are similar like this, 
Um, I don't know particularly what Damien did to constitute a 16-year charge. From that was kind of crazy. Screen. Yeah, I, I, I can <laughs> agree with that. From what was on screen, I'm just I, like, um. <laughs> So to speak on the whole flashback thing, though, too, I, I actually agree with that. I thought they, they were setting it up like he did much, something much more, like, sinister. But, like, he kind of – I mean, that sounded like five to five years of a, of a consequence, you know, looking at it. But as far as the flashbacks go, um, there was – they kept mentioning a character in the flashbacks and I thought the payoff was a little, was a little like, it was like, that's, that's it. That was yeah. the big kind of thing that happened with that guy. And I, I feel like that didn't really need to be there. I feel like there was, I, I, I really would have liked more of a, just more regarding why kind of Adonis snaps and why it all happens the way it does. I do like the way the movie opens as far as establishing the relationship and establishing uh, establishing that Adonis is, you know, the young protege of this, you know, Damien and to kind of see how it's switched off to where when they get older, you know, Adonis Creed is like the popular one with the gorgeous house and uh, you see you see Damien's house and it's like a little I think it was like a little motel at first. And I just really liked the way that they kind of portrayed their like both of them as characters in the movie. Yeah, I, I do think that the execution of the flashbacks is very clunky for sure. And it, it doesn't all work. Although I will say that for the most part, I actually did like the way those scenes were directed. I just thought that the like the color palette they used and the the compositions, I actually did like those sections uh, for the most part in terms of their aesthetics. And it was a nice contrast from the rest of the movie for me. So because actually when this movie opened up, I actually thought this was going to be great. I loved like the way the camera was moving, was moving. I loved the environments they were showing. Like I I really thought that this was going to be a really, really well-directed film. And then the storytelling as it went on, like started to wane on me. But I do think that there's a lot of promise from Jordan as a director here, but it's just not very consistent all the way through, I would say. Very similar vibes, Josh. I, I, I felt the same way. As soon as we were thrown into this story uh, with this opening flashback to a young Donnie Creed and uh, Damian Anderson, and I was thinking to myself, oh, this is a cool framing device. Let's see where they take this. Where they ended up taking it, I was left a, a little disappointed by, but go into the positives here, where I think that Michael B. Jordan does succeed very, very well, is he did what he was supposed to do in terms of paying homage to the Rocky franchise by having a couple of different montages, uh, which I think are executed pretty well. And then he also nailed the human element of this story. I, I think that the performances here, especially from Michael B. Jordan, who I will go on record of saying, I think this is Michael B. Jordan's best performance as this character. And I also would even go so far as to say, I think this is his best performance to date in any movie he's done, but he gets good work out of Tessa Thompson, mm -hmm. Jonathan Majors, and everybody else in the cast here, Felicia Rashad. I think he handles the character work very, very well. And then he takes it up a notch to then do something that we've never seen before with the boxing scenes. So for me, the good outweighs the bad there. I can understand that. And I, I actually agree. I thought, 
Um, I thought it was really nice to have Tessa Thompson back here again. I thought she was wonderful here as Bianca. Like their relationship since the first one has just been something that I loved about these movies, and they really kind of they 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 hold these movies to a higher standard. You know, them two as a duo, and then when you introduce the daughter in here, they kind of established in Creed two that the uh, the daughter is uh, is deaf. And they do a lot with that here in the movie. And I just really liked the way that was all done. It was very sweet, very tender. Yeah, it, it was very – and I just really liked the way that was all that was all portrayed on film. And as far as Tessa Thompson, it was great, great seeing her back in this franchise again, kind of to, kind of to clean my palate after Love and Thunder a little bit. So I thought she was great. I really thought that um, maybe some of the conflict that – Donnie and Bianca had in this film could have just been resolved by Donnie opening himself up a little bit, <laughs> you know, like which is the point of the movie. I know, I will grant it I that. know, it's just very but frustrating I, I when you, you when you see people not communicating on screen, <laughs> and it's the source for all this conflict. Yeah, I I do agree with you, Matt, to a, to a point because it is so much of the conflict that is driving. Uh, this narrative between the two of them. And it did get to a point when it's like, he's literally saying, I just can't talk about it. And it's like, I mean, I get it, but this is very, to me, not compelling enough of a reason to keep this conflict going as I'm watching things on screen. And that was another element of the storytelling that just felt like it's so simplified. Like he, ha- he just doesn't want to talk about his past and and that's it. But it's like, you all been together for how many years now? You got a kid? Like, I, I think that goes down a little bit. And the movie didn't give me, and I didn't feel like enough of a reason to believe that he would still be that guarded with this for so long. And it did make the conflict feel like a bit silly that it was still going as long as it did. In I, I will bet you, I will bet you $5. That's how serious I am right now. It's not high <laughs> enough that you can say no. <laughs> It's low enough that you would say yes and you would take this bet. I bet you that if Rocky were in this movie, we would have gotten a scene where he would have opened up to Rocky and not to his wife. <laughs> oh, probably. That's one of the reasons why I said the reveal of the whole flashback was not – it didn't feel like it warranted, oh, I'm keeping this away from you. I'm keeping this uh, – because I'm going to keep it a buck. He was like – he's like the guy – as far as like the whole Leon thing – that's the reason why I thought that it didn't come off as like this was the big reason as to why you're so guarded. It just didn't feel like it was a it was enough of a reason to keep this from your wife and who how does it is it even establish how long they're together for? It has to be like what, ten years or something like that. So yeah, I, I agree with that, Josh. I mean, not only that too, but also as Josh was saying, it is kind of the point of the movie because the movie's also withholding this information from the audience. Correct. So yeah. it, it, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, I'll give a counterpunch because like I for me, especially like as an aficionado in black film, I know that typically we have these archetypical characters where they suffer in silence. And it's one of those things that they have to be able to come up against. And for a lot of us, particularly me as a black man navigating myself in the life of America, um, there are things that I have suppressed so much that I truly have forgotten. They become my reality because I pushed it down and that on a given day, I'm not thinking anything about it. And when it gets reintroduced to me, that trauma, I am completely triggered and I kind of revert back to the shame and guilt that he felt. I really truly feel that 
it was very evident how much of him being the guy who runs away, how much that plagued the way that um, it, it framed who he was. Because he was a child that belonged to both worlds. He grew up, you know, not in a good home, but then was taken in, um, you know, by Apollo Creed's spouse, who she had no, she didn't have to love this boy who's, you know, essentially, you know, uh, you know, a, 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 the product of her husband's infidelity. You know, and then quickly became a part of a world of 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 luxury. And then he ran he turned his back to both sides of it. And that's what we explored in the first Creed film. So I thought it was pretty poignant um, that he finally got a chance to reveal that to Bianca in a way that was like it wasn't overwrought either. It wasn't melodrama. Um, and yes, that it, it, if it wasn't Bianca. Easily could have seen a scene, which we easily could have had with Rocky. You know, hey, uh, just you, know, you got to be real with yourself, kid. You know, like you could have had that, and it would have been like really, really good. You know, uh, and particularly I would have injected a scene um, with uh, with Rocky and um, and and Amara um, as a girl dad. I it was beautiful because it was completely unexpected. I saw my daughter in this film. You know, I've got a proud young queen who's 10 going on 20, but she'll be 11 this summer. And um, it was beautiful to be able to see the ways that this young girl not necessarily wants to be her dad, but just respects what he does so much. And if there's a storyline that could have been tapped to to a bit more, it would have been that. But it was so amazing. It's it's authentic representation, uh, you know, for the deaf and, you know, a community with um, ASL being something that was like not just glossed over, but like, hey, listen, this is our daughter and you're going to like learn how to sign and speak to her. And I love that uh, Damien wasn't just like this, like this brutish, you know, like villain where he's just like, you know, talking down either to Bianca or being like this physical imposition to her. Like he was very just like charismatic. And I, I think that's like really credit to like Jonathan Majors. I don't think, I don't think that was on the page, but it was just so sweet the way that he interjected himself into their lives. And I think he, he added to that, you know, I was really worried actually in the scenes where Jonathan Majors was yes. getting close with Bianca. Tessa Thompson's character. I was like, oh man, you better not come on to her. You better yeah. not. <laughs> but think about it. We were taught to um to to look at characters like that in a very particular way. Like he's gonna do something super dastardly. You we know from the trailers that Creed is living the life that Damien felt like he deserved and honestly stole, you know, with regards to, right? Um, so it's like, man, you know he's about to do it. And the fact that he doesn't, it, it made him that much greater of a foe because his threat is not just inside the ring. But I was like, what if he just like naturally woos this woman away? But like that showed you also like how much Bianca had his back and like you you know, like I said, that that daddy daughter story that just did it for me. Um, it added another point or two, honestly, in my overall score because yeah. I don't know what the future of Creed looks like, but I wouldn't mind a time jump with Amara, and it could be called the American Way, a Creed story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will say that I do I I coming off what you're saying about you know uh, Jonathan Majors in those scenes, I think he portrayed envy like really well it wasn't like he was envious of like oh i want your girl and i want you know i want he was envious of his lifestyle he was envious that he had he had the wife he has um a gorgeous mother i mean he i mean wife and all that hey, hey, he hey. has don't knock felicia rashad okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you know i i like the fact that you know that's what they portrayed mostly those scenes even in the scenes where he is getting a little closer to Bianca, it was more so kind of manipulative, but also like I want this life that he has. And it, in a way, he was just saying a lot of, you know, you stole 
this life from me in a way. So I thought that was all done really well. Well, I think also, too, one of the things that's been a connecting theme throughout all three of these films, which I really appreciate. And here was the one where I kind of felt it the most, I would say, is this journey for Adonis Creed has been very much about what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to be a boxer? What does it mean to be? What does it mean? And I love that this movie does allow for Adonis Donnie Creed to take center stage without Rocky to allow for the character to completely own a movie on his own without that support system for the first time. And it was also for me then the first time that I walked away from a movie saying, holy shit, Michael B. Jordan is a true bonafide movie star. And that is something that is rare. And I I don't use that term lightly because we have very, very few movie stars left today. But this was one of the rare occasions where I really thought to myself, holy crap, not only have I always been invested in these uh, movies and in these uh, characters outside of just Rocky, but this was the first time that it, it proved to everyone. And I think the box office, the reviews, everything is saying that this franchise can truly move on. Now, Sylvester Stallone's not dead. He's still around. So does it suck not to have him in a one scene cameo or even a phone call or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would have liked to have had him be there to some degree. But it's also about what do I want versus what does the story and the franchise call for at this point? And what it's calling for is it's calling for that transfer from Rocky to Creed to be 100% complete at this point. It, it needs to be done. And I got to say, for all ugh, everything considered, while I miss the presence of Rocky in this film, I'm very, very satisfied with how they pulled it off here. Because, like I said, I walked away from this movie looking at Michael B. Jordan just in a whole different light. I'll be honest that I do not have the same nostalgic connection to the Rocky franchise as other people do. So, I was actually very happy that Stallone wasn't in this only because it, as you said, Matt, it did allow for the Adonis character to just exist on his own. And I was very happy to see that. And I think that makes the character stronger. But I also think that one thing about this story that could have made it even could have made it hit with an even larger impact is that I actually think that the second half of this movie doesn't really have Jonathan Majors in it as much as I think it should it feels like we get the kind of the moment where we see his true intentions and then it feels like he kind of fades into the background a little bit and i think that we lose that juxtaposition of these two characters and sort of the parallel lines they were going on initially and how they diverge and how they're coming back and i feel like we lose a lot of uh that other perspective and i kind of felt like when we get to the end, I think that's the reason why it feels a bit rushed because we don't really have as much of a picture with this opponent that Creed is going up against. And I do think that's something that's kind of missing in the second half of this movie. You know what I thought they could have done and they didn't do it here. I, I genuinely thought that this was a good opportunity for Wood Harris as little Duke to yeah. step in and have a larger, more prominent role, but they don't do that with him here. And that yeah. was kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, it def- definitely is one of those characters where it's like, I keep telling you, Donnie, I keep telling you, 
Like he's no good. He's no, which I guess technically would be like what's, what's the old you with these impressions, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's what's the old white guy? Uh, uh, he's gonna kill you. What, what's him from the original Rocky films? Like that's what essentially. <laughs> oh yeah, is. the Burgess Meredith character. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like so I kind of I, I kind of get it. Um, but but damn, does this film end? I mean, you know, if you want to be wowed and satisfied by the ending of these type of films, right? It's like having this being filmed. I don't know if it actually was. I doubt it was Dodger Stadium. Um, but one. No. No, the no, risk no. Say, for the hey, record, that looks like complete background CGI. They must have oh, shot yeah, this yeah, in a boxing yeah. ring on a green screen. You know, oh, they, yeah. Because Especially with the no fire. Marvel, yeah. no Marvel employees and stuff like that. They probably bought the access to that dome, uh, that dome room and stuff like that. Because that's essentially what they did. They transformed it into this very surreal um, third act climactic fight, which – and honestly, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, granted, we'd have the technology to, it's so jarring because you typically want the crowd to be a part of it. That's what amps everything up. And to go this surrealist anime fantasy-like um, style was bold, um, but I think it really, really worked. The colors were vivid. I mean, just the shots of wow it was i'm not gonna lie i loved all of that i i was knocked on my ass by it at first i will admit (laughs) it took a little adjusting because i'm watching it early fights and i'm saying to myself this doesn't look real this looks like i'm watching the hobbit movies where everyone i can't tell what's cgi what's not even the people i'm like are they computer generated what's going on here and it definitely took a bit for my eyes to adjust to what was happening. But by the time we got to the finale, I was yeah. just in awe and thinking to myself, you know what? Whether you like it or not is kind of irrelevant. What you can mm-hmm. say definitively is you have never seen anything like this yeah. before. And that was yeah. really cool. And that really I, paves the way for other fight and combat films to kind of really go out there. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately, I think what makes me fall in love with this movie more and more, you could remove the boxing completely. And I just, and I believe that this movie stands on its own um, just by the last scene between Creed and Damien. These are two men that have just got finished putting their bodies on the line and have legitimately bad blood on both sides. I don't think anyone is completely innocent. Um, I mean, yes, Damien did some dashly things. I think mm-hmm. he was a little justifiable, a little underhanded with regards of how he got there. Um, but he had to win against Chavez. Um, he had to really hold his own against like the previous world champ, you know, with um, with Creed. And just that scene, I really want to study that scene um, because it was so good. You know, I mean, one, Michael B. Jordan dripped in that white. Like, come on, Josh. Like that, he was looking <laughs> like chocolate heaven. Like, I was like, yeah, Lee, man. I mean, like, I did praise the aesthetics of the movie. So, yes. <laughs> I, I love that end, that end whole the whole fight scene the like like i said in, in in our review i love just that the fact that they spend time with entrances announcements it gets me so amped even though it's a film because i feel like i'm actually watching a boxing match i did say the end fight it's a it's jarring because if you're going into this franchise looking for like some real boxing it's a little jarring i described it as the mysterio fight from far from home uh mm. in a way and i I but I I liked it. I really liked I liked that it was it was different. It was I was I was all in on whatever they were doing with that whole end sequence. And you can tell Michael B. Jordan desperately wants to do like an actual action movie. Just let him do it. He wants to. You can tell. So, but I I enjoyed all that. Yeah, the slow motion, the way that you could see every bead of sweat. The way that the camera stays inside the ring, we don't really get any reaction shots to anyone in the audience. Uh, there's even a raging bull trick at one point. 
uh, where mm. the audience just completely yeah. disappears, which from a psychological standpoint, I really enjoyed. I do think that the ending of this movie in terms of the character work does take a cue from a another uh, sports fighting movie that I love called Warrior, where I mm-hmm. thought that yeah. the execution was definitely done a little bit better. Once again, Michael B. Jordan, he's got some solid ideas, and I think this is a solid directorial debut. But I'm not over here saying that this is, like, the greatest directorial debut of the year, and he's going to get, like, I don't know, like a first-time DGA nomination or something like that. He might, but I just I, – I do think that there were some areas where it could have been improved upon. But that's okay because, listen, at the end of the day, I'm giving the guy tons of slack here. Uh, he had to mount a big studio film, pretty big budget of $75 million for his first feature Granted, it's a world that he knows, a character he's very passionate about, and he has a lot of support behind him. But at the same time, this is a very big project for somebody to undertake for their first directorial effort. So I was willing to cut some slack uh, with certain things in terms of execution, especially, like I said, the rush third act. I think it goes by way too fast, way too fast. But overall, his performance, Jonathan Major's commitment, the physicality, the groundwork that is laid into the relationship through these flashbacks and then, of course, through um, their relationship moving forward uh, in the present day, it does all culminate in a story that ultimately when I walked away from Creed 3, I was thinking to myself, you know what? This movie justified its existence. It continued the story of Adonis Creed in a way that made sense. Now I'm kind of left with the feeling of, is this it? Where do they go from here? I mean, people were asking that question about Rocky, like, you know, so many movies into that franchise of where is this going to go? I'm sure they'll find a way, whether it'll be good or not. Right, like in the beginning of this movie, they say that Donnie is retired. And I'm like, what? I'm like, Michael B. Jordan's 36 years old. Multiple times. Yeah, I I was. He's the Steven Soderbergh of boxing. That's what he is. It's a little (laughs) jarring. Where like Michael B. Jordan looks like that, and he's like, "Oh, he's retired." I was like, "Okay, you you know what would have made him work a little bit is if an injury sidelined him, because that's what happens in sports a lot when you're that young still. You when you're like you know 33, 34 year olds, we see a lot of injuries. He could have got like, a concussion. Injuries. And yeah, something said, like that. You can't, you can't suffer another shot to the head, otherwise you'll exactly. die or something, you know? Or, and yeah. you can tie that back to his father, too. So I, yeah. I think what would have worked with that was like a would be like an injury angle where, like, I can't fight again. Because even – because also, too, it would have made, you know, the relationship with him and, and Bianca a little bit more differently, too, instead of her just, like, going, like, Go fight him. She's being like, you know, you can't fight again. You know, if you fight again, I will whatever. But, you know, I I think I kind of agree with that whole thing. It took me a while to buy that he's retired and that's it for him. Yeah, they do kind of imply that, you know, he's got health issues because when he sort of decides to get back into the ring and he's training, they're like listing all of the stuff he's been through. Right, so, right. like. I, I get sort of the big picture of it. I do think there could have been a little bit more specificity to it to just sort of fill in those details and make it just a more richer uh, plot line to to dive into. But I get sort of the big picture that they were going for. Like, I, and I think that his performance is still really captivating for me. And and the way that Jordan also just directs these boxing sequences, I, to me, they are definitely the highlight of the movie. There's one particular one during that kind of comeback training he's going through, and he, you know, he is knocked down, and it's, you know, we know the moment he's down, he's thinking about maybe not getting back up, and then he finds the strength within him. Like 
it you can call it a mile away that that's going to happen, but the way that that particular moment was executed, I was like so incredibly roused and fired up, and and I did enjoy so many elements of this movie. I just wish it was more consistent all the way through with the storytelling. What did you all think of Felicia Rashad in this? <laughs> um, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, no definite spoilers, although I would even say that the way that this is set up, it's hardly a spoiler because it's so yeah. telegraphed what's going to happen to this character. That was like one of the dumbest thing in the movie, to be honest. Um, but I will say that her last scene in the movie surprisingly worked for me, even though I thought it was very, very poorly set up. I really actually did like her performance and found it to be very actually touching and moving. So despite, I think, the kind of very bad execution to get to that point, I thought that her performance and the the scene that she shared with Jordan was actually very good. I just wish it had been better established to get there. I actually agree with that. And the scene that you're talking about with... Michael B. Jordan and herself, I thought it, 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 it just, it really, it really struck a lot of heartstrings with me because literally you can even say like shot by shot, like that happened with me and my grandmother and it, that whole scene just really worked for me. And I thought Michael B. Jordan, if, if it was any other actor, I feel like a lot of other actors probably wouldn't have done it as well. And I thought he, He's really been great at portraying emotional scenes, especially since like Black Panther, you know, and, you know, scenes of grief. And uh, I, I thought he was really, really good here. I, I think the Felicia Rashad stuff like it didn't it didn't hit me uh, the way that the film wanted it to. But it did allow for Michael B. Jordan to show more layers to that character and also. I'm going to just say it again. I, I think his performance elevates the film. I think it elevates everybody around him. I, I think his performance is better than his direction in this. I, I was pretty blown away by what he was doing here, um, just emotionally and also just really inhabiting the character to take him to new depths. And so, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it just is not set up that well. I mean, no. <laughs> I was thinking about um, that autopilot from The Dark Knight Rises. Like, it's that level of telegraphing <laughs> to me in terms of what the resolution is. And that did take away a little bit of the impact of where we got with that scene. But I have to admit that even though I knew it was coming and didn't think it was set up that well, it's still just from a performance standpoint from the two of them, I just still found to be very effective and the fact that it was that effective for me despite knowing exactly where we would end up you know that deserves a lot of credit in my opinion hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay. Final thoughts on Creed 3. Anything that you want to mention that you didn't get a chance to or something you want to reiterate? We could start off first with Dwayne. 
Uh, yeah, final thoughts for me is that, again, I really enjoyed it. I'm really excited to see what Michael B. Jordan can do next as a director, uh, see what kind of more style and flavor he can bring, you know, behind the camera. You know, I, again, enjoy the performances. A couple of little nitpicks for me, like as far as like pacing and runtime and just certain certain character beats and moments, not having more time with it. But for the most part, I enjoyed it, and it's my favorite movie of the year so far. Still very early, and I didn't do, I didn't go to like Sundance, so I, I haven't seen like thirty nine films yet. So I, yeah, I had a good time with it. Is that, were you taking a shot at me just now? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just. Uh, because I, I remember that I did I did sun the last time I actually did like a long haul of Sundance movies was like 2020. I think that was when we were we were there. Um and I remember that man, you could really sit and get through like almost 40 movies in like a span of like three weeks. And I think right now I feel ashamed because I only have like six or seven new releases that I have down on my, you know, on my shelf for the year. So it's like, it's just kind of crazy. Like Matt, I know you probably watched like 50 movies at Sundance and I'm just like, Oh my God, that is just sounds so, it sounds so insane to me right now. To be honest with you, I stopped logging them on letterbox. So <laughs> I'm actually at a point where I've lost count. And I know that there were some that I watched that I don't even have logs. So <laughs> I don't know what to believe anymore, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. At the end right. of the day, am I getting a good movie now in the moment? And I don't care what genre it is or where it comes from. Uh, but yeah, I feel you on that. That's totally cool. Mm-hmm. Kobe, what about you? I think that there is a cultural impact that the Creed franchise has tapped into that was really unexpected. I was explaining this in a Twitter space is that Rocky for me, I didn't have this attachment to kind of similar to Josh. And I wonder if it's just because of the generation that we belong to. And also what the Creed, the first Creed film did in this franchise now represents that this is my Rocky. Um, and funny enough, it has Rocky at the beginning of it and not towards the end. But it was able to ingratiate itself with the community of black and brown folk that look like me where they're saying, yo, this is our champ. So what a big segment of the population of moviegoers got to be able to embrace in the mid-70s and 80s and on, I think is what they have now. And I think that's something that's really, really special that helps elevate the film and for me can kind of color some of the laments that I may have. Is it a perfect film? No, but I truly believe in its el- in its excellency because of how good it made me feel. The pride that I have as a dad, um, as a filmmaker myself and a film critic, I love the fact that it really did pay a lot of attention to all the things that matter and it got that done well. Um, I would love to say that this is the strongest directorial debut of the year, but you know, we've been privileged to see some absolute bangers for first time directors. Maybe this is the strongest first time director field ever um, in 2023. This is a great year for a film and I love the fact that in quarter one we've been blessed and um, I think this movie is going to have supreme legs and word of mouth and um, yes, Michael B. Jordan is the new version of what a movie star looks like because the most of the movie stars that we've had are still 50 and older. You know, all the movie stars from the 70s, 80s and 90s, they're still working. And because of the way the technology has increased and the way that our world has gotten bigger with the Internet, we've not given permission to certain folks to become movie stars like what we knew of. But I think Michael B. Jordan's got it. And I think Jonathan Majors is right behind him. Okay, 
All right, Josh Parham, what about you? Uh, I think the only thing that I would want to say at the end here is just to reiterate how good Jonathan Majors is in this movie. I feel like we actually didn't talk enough about that. Um, Because first, I love that he's playing a character that is not really connected to this world before. Like, I'm so glad that he's not like a abandoned child from uh, Apollo Creed and he's his half-brother. Like, no, this is a completely different character. So I was, that was another thing I was sort of happy about Rocky not being here because it's like, we can now finally just exist in this world independent of what came before. And I found that to be very exciting. And I thought Jonathan Majors, yeah, he really did embody like that kind of reserved nature at the beginning of the movie that you do kind of want to believe, but you're waiting for the turncoat moment to happen. And then when it does, you get that boisterous energy that makes him so compelling, but you also still feel the insecurity that's inside of him. And I really, really did like his performance a lot. I thought he was a good foil to to Adonis. And as I said, I sort of wish he was in the movie more. And we got uh, a, a greater peek into that juxtaposition between the two of them, because I think it would have made both of their character arcs even stronger. And, you know, it was mentioned the uh, end scene between the two of them. Also very, very well done, even though they're literally just in black and white. I didn't really like that particular directorial choice, but you know, from performance standpoint, I thought they were really good. And Jonathan Majors, especially, I think he's really, really pretty fantastic in this film. Okay. So for my final thoughts here, um, why do the Creed movies just keep on abandoning the fact that there are weight classes in boxing? Well, you know what? I don't know the rules in boxing. (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't know. Like, can you also just like, challenge somebody to you can fight. like nowadays you can be, especially okay. UFC. i thought there was a more like rules and regulations no, and like stuff that went to it especially with ufc too like for instance tomorrow there's a i think today actually there's a big fight uh with john jones and he hasn't been around for years and he just has a title shot just because yeah <laughs> just so because there's no there's no like there's a boxing commission with regards to safety but there's not like a like what it isn't is like uh like you know how like there's this oh hey you must fight this person to get to this person no you just fight based off of whoever you want to fight and whoever's going to pay to be able to sponsor it and then you know folks are going to watch it but yes no it's so because that was the biggest thing for me when you watching you know like you know uh creed 2 i'm just like yo hold on like drago's got at least like 30 40 pounds and like <laughs> on him like, this is this isn't fair i i, I don't he get looks it. like he could eat him yes and of course like as a casual boxing fan it's so interesting how with these films right the boxing style is so good they don't you don't you cannot sustain throwing punches like that for 12 to 16 rounds it's impossible like the way that they're throwing punches like where it's just these wide windups all the time the way that they're taking them no one of those shots will put you on the ground um so <laughs> it's definitely there's some fanaticism <laughs> fantasticalism there uh with regards to how the boxing is portrayed but i think i think as as moviegoers i think we embrace it you know <laughs> oh no we do we do absolutely there's definitely a suspension of disbelief here and i'm okay with that um what was uh, everyone's favorite I guess, image from the training montages, because I got to say, other than maybe Adonis punching the tree, nothing really stood out to me as much as the bikers in the first film or the underwater boxing image from the second. I don't know. Like, did you guys did you guys like the montages or did you feel they were lacking? Because I kind of feel like they were lacking just a little bit. I think a little basic. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they moved so fast. The the Jonathan Majors sections were good, but the uh, 
the Michael B. Jordan, I was a little, I was a little like, eh, we could have done a little bit more. It's definitely he the pulled weakest, a plane. The weakest. He was pulling a plane. You know what? Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe that's the image is him pulling the plane. <laughs> Right, and right. pulling the plane. I don't know. I mean, I live out in LA and I'm like, yo, do I have it in me to like just like at all speed just like go ahead and no, run up? We do not. <laughs> run no, up Hollywood. I don't think I do, you know, but um, that's a great image. I just want to like emulate that. I do want to say that the anime comparisons that Michael B. Jordan has been saying in interviews to the fight scenes, I think they are a little overblown because I think people are like walking into this expecting there to be hand-drawn animation on the screen or something like that uh but it's not like that at all it, it really isn't instead what it does feel like you're watching is it does really feel like you're watching say a real life version of um i don't know like uh, goku and vegeta these just big muscular all-powerful warriors who are just going to battle with each other and in that regard it works yeah I, I did also like that Damien was a bit of a brute in the ring who had to resort to cheating in order yeah. to pull out victories. And that also allowed then for Donnie to be clever about his methods of attack. I, I like the psychology behind it, I guess, in terms of how are we going to pit these two fighters styles together? Yeah, I mean, it definitely. I So. I don't know because you guys we, – we've all watched hundreds if not thousands of movies and I typically look for – especially in a sports film, um, there was a point where I thought it was some foreshadowing. It was in a flashback where we see um, Donnie kind of like looking at Damien and how he fights and there was almost like a little hint to like watch what I'm about to do. And I thought that that would have been the thing that would have led to Damien's downfall and that would have been like – that really would have added some like narrative um, uh, symmetry and I didn't get it. Because, like, they're so evenly matched. It's almost just like, well, how do you, like, really kind of, like, how do you write this? Like, who's supposed to, you know, win and stuff? So um, I, I definitely did miss that. But I think it's a really great comparison with regards to Goku and Vegeta that has been predominantly a part of my life since I was a kid. And, like, for the most part, they are evenly matched, even though Goku always seems to have uh, the upper hand. And I think that that couldn't have been even more um, um, apparent. There's one shot towards the middle of the film right before the Chavez and Damien fight begins and the camera side by side, one part inside of Damien's um, dressing room and then with Creed outside of it. And they both stop at the same time and look down at the floor. Like, like you could just see, like, like that's what it would have been an anime. Just, oh, and then it flashes out or whatever. Oh, I actually love that shot right? too. Yeah. Um, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I'll bring it up again here. I, I just wish that there was at least maybe just in passing a line of dialogue about where Rocky is. Because, you know, given his health in the previous, like, two films and such, like, we're kind of left maybe to speculate, did Rocky die, you know? But we don't know. There's no mention of him whatsoever. And while I admit earlier that that is a good thing that Michael B. Jordan is allowed to fully own this movie 100% without the support of Sylvester Stallone, at the same time, from a story standpoint... I do feel like just even a throwaway line to explain where Rocky is would have helped. And granted, they could have just said, you know, he's back in Philly because this movie takes place in Los Angeles. And I don't know that would have been fine, I guess. Right. Or do you guys feel it just wasn't necessary, period? Man, it's so I, I don't think general audiences will honestly even know because I because I did not rewatch Creed 2 and I had to remember, damn, what happened to Rock? But I, I, I it, it didn't even dawn on me that he wasn't in the film until somebody's like, yo, what happened to Rocky? I'm like, 
oh, snap, he wasn't in the film. Yeah, yeah. It hits me a little bit. It hits me a little bit towards the end that he's not mentioned, but um, I do think they do a good job of kind of just moving on and, you know, I, I, I would have liked one sort of mention, but I think they do a overall good job at, like, he's not around anymore. I really wish also, too, that if you're going to bring back Florian uh, Montanov for Victor Drago, like, do something with him in this movie. They do nothing with him here. It kind of, I think, diminishes Creed 2 a, a little bit in that regard. He's he's kind of just kind of there. And I, I, I love I love uh, I love Drago. He's so massive. I think he's just great. Yeah. But he's kind of just there. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I liked it. I didn't love it. I think overall, if I'm grading this movie out of 10, I would say I gave the first film an eight out of 10. Second film is seven. So this film feels comfortably at a very strong six for me. It's not perfect. It's not amazing, but it's still good. And this still remains a really compelling franchise. I've seen some talk that this might be the last one, but I've also seen some talk saying that a Creed four is definitely in the works. I just don't know what role Michael B. Jordan's going to, you know, have to play in it at this point. I like the idea mentioned earlier about there being, um, you know, a bit of a time jump maybe, but uh, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see because Michael B. Jordan's still young. He's still fit and he can still go. So I'll be curious to see what kind of story they decide to play up, especially considering this did feel in many ways like a culmination of a lot of themes that have been set up through the previous two films in terms of, like I was saying earlier, what kind of a man, what kind of a father, what kind of a fighter does Adonis Creed want to be? So six out of 10 for me. Josh, what about you? I'm at a seven out of 10 with this. Uh, I actually did prefer it a little bit more to Creed 2. I didn't really think that one was amazing in my opinion. And this one I thought was good overall. It definitely has some weaknesses in the storytelling, but I've very much found myself being entertained for the most part. So yeah, seven out of 10 would recommend. Dwayne? Uh yeah, I would go I would go eight point five out of ten again. You don't do point really... fives. Is it an eight or is it a nine? I'll do eight. <laughs> I'll do eight. I'll do eight then. I'll do eight out of ten. I think what really could have gotten it to a nine is more more of that backstory, more of the uh more kind of pacing and you know, more time with some of the characters, but I'll go with an eight. I still really enjoyed it. If this movie had an ending that could have affected me emotionally the way that something like Warrior did, this movie would have shot up like two points for me, probably easily. And to me, it did. That's why I got to go with a nine. So I've got it at a nine out of 10. I think it's a truly excellent film. Everything that I needed it to be, it was. And then some. Um, the color, the story, the performances. The Like, I know that um, um, Ludwig wasn't a part of this score, but I love how imaginative and playful they do with that principal creed theme. And it just, like, keeps getting better and reinvented with every film. So this is, like I said, this is the greatest sports trilogy I've ever watched. You know what? That's one other thing I'll just mention before we get to Oscar prospects. I almost forgot to mention this. I do love the real life incorporation of the boxing world into this movie, mm -hmm. really just setting this in a very modern contemporary setting that feels very lived in. You know, Adonis Creed to many uh, feels like almost, like the Lydia Tar of this movie where it's like I, I could imagine this being an actual real person you know what i mean 
Yeah, I will say not having Max Kellerman or Teddy Atlas a part of this, mm. that was a miss. Mm. Good point. Yeah, because those new those new guys that were ringside was like, come on, where's Max? <laughs> Get Max. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, for the Oscar potential for this movie, Kobe, I'm gonna beat you up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I wrong? Okay, which which do you prefer? Do you prefer Kang? Jonathan Majors, or do you prefer Damien Jonathan Majors? It doesn't matter what I think. It's a matter of what will be nominated in next year's Oscars. And I'll tell you right now, Jonathan Majors is not getting nominated for Ant-Man or for Creed 3. 100%. Really? Yes, 100% certainty. Okay, friendly $5 bet on that it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you this with another $5. We'll make it 10 I think these two performances will help him get nominated for Magazine Dreams. Okay. I think that's yeah. absolutely fair. Like, like I said, I mean, so has since since um, since Jamie Fox um, and that was at 2004 with um, Ray and with um, Collateral. Collateral. Has there been another performer to get double nominated in the same year for two different roles? Uh, Scarlett Johansson did it. Marriage Story okay. and Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. But Jonathan Majors is not getting nominated for this. No, <laughs> I mean, <sighs> even the first Creed movie, as successful as it was, the only thing they went and nominated was. Stallone, the thing yeah. that they were familiar with and already nominated before. So Which he should have won. But you know, I love Mark Rylance, but he should have won. Nah, well, there's another conversation. It was, that was a stacked <laughs> year. That, that was a really, really stacked year of performances. So I understand him. He got the globe. So I don't know. Yeah, but the point being is that I don't think glove. Creed <laughs> got the golden globe. He got the golden globe. Yes. <laughs> but the point being is that I don't think that the Creed movies are looked at really in the Oscar conversation. And this is coming out in March. And the studio knows it. Yeah. They, they chose to release this in March. They know it's not an Oscar play. Yeah. Yes. And obviously, movies released in March can do very well. One's probably hey. about to win Best Picture next week. So, like, <laughs> I understand, but I don't think that's necessarily the pedigree for this particular movie. I think this is just going to be an entertaining uh, kind of sports drama that everybody like really enjoys. It's going to make some money, but I would be very surprised if this thing has momentum to go through the rest of the year. Yeah, the real win here is the fact that it's making more money than the previous two. That's awesome. And yeah, the fact no, that it has maintained a strong critical reception as well, it's a win-win, I think, in terms of, you know, what the studio and what everybody involved wanted. Oscars would just be the icing on the cake, but they don't need it. They don't. And I could see that Warner Brothers probably has some bigger priorities on their slate to be able to put their their dollars behind for campaign pushes. Oh, That's well, understandable. Clear, it's a United Artists releasing in the States, Warner Brothers internationally. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Forgive me then. Oh, then, then, yeah. Either way, way, no. Okay. Either, either way. <laughs> I mean, listen, yeah. I, I love Jonathan Majors. I, I love him in this. Uh, this is not, for from an award standpoint, this is not it. Right. Uh, and I mentioned earlier, Michael B. Jordan, maybe, maybe the DGA goes for him for first time director just to kind of add some star power to that lineup next year. That's a big maybe, though. It, yeah. just, hence my maybe kind of emphasis. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that for majors, this will probably be more of like a body of work recognition that by the time we do get to something like Magazine Dreams, that it'll be a culmination of great work throughout the year. But I would be very doubtful that this specific performance will get any kind of awards traction. I mean, he's very good in the movie. I'm not saying that mm -hmm. it's a bad performance or anything. He's extremely good. But I just don't really feel like it's going to settle into the, into that particular narrative for this film.
Okay, that's that, that, that's fair. Do you think there'll be any love with regards, like you know, on the craft side for the cinematography, or there's just too much of a stacked lineup that we're that we're looking at um, ahead, where this is just going to be like good, but like not nearing towards you know, great? Like I was really impressed. I, I by could it. genuinely see someone somewhere in a random critics group or something just citing the fact that these boxing scenes were shot in IMAX. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, long shot. I mean, we, we've got Dune. We've got Oppenheimer. We've got Barbie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think what you need to do is just get those expectations in place and take what you can get here. And what you can get is you can get strong critical reception, good box office, um, a nice either finale or hell, uh, a chance for this franchise to still continue and leave audiences wanting more, whatever the case might be. I just don't think that awards are in the cards for this. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Any, any other thoughts on anything? No, I'm pretty good. As far as I do think Kobe's a little too crazy with these <laughs> predictions, but <laughs> takes. we, we, we got to get what we can get as far as these award seasons, you know? So I, I, I don't see it happening. I would love it, but I, I doubt it. Save that energy for when Magazine Dreams comes out because believe right. me, it's going to need it, I think. Oh. So, All right. That'll do it here for our review of Creed 3 on the Next Best Picture podcast. Kobe, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for bringing the energy as you always do. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. Always appreciate Grace and the Mike, which you find gentlemen. But yo, if you want to follow me, you could find your boy on Twitter and Instagram at Colby Told Me. That's K O L B Y T O L D Me. And when I'm in the mood to write, you could check out our website at mreportpod.com. All right, Dwayne Miller. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Cinemaniac94, and you can follow uh, my podcast, Cinemania World, anywhere you listen to podcasts, and on Twitter and Instagram at Cinemania World. We drop new shows uh, every week, so come by. And Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at JR Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers.